3: Sitting there, reflecting on his life, thinking about the opportunity that was right in front of him, and now he will be celebrating. The new IBF lightweight champion is Richard Comey. He does it in outrageously impressive fashion, and now Richard Comey will be taking on Vasily Lomachenko in a unification bout. I think this is a dangerous, dangerous fighter for Lomachenko. He has punching power in that right hand, and that's the right hand that's needed. What do you say we make it official? We got
0: a new IBF lightweight champion of the world. Ladies and gentlemen, we have the time of 39 seconds of round number two. Our referee in charge, Lawrence Cole, stops
4: the contest. He is the winner by way of technical knockout. He is the new IBF lightweight champion of the world, Richard R.C.
5: Former IBF lightweight champion Richard Comey will face another former Dwarf World War Champion Vasily Lubachenko at Madison Square Garden. Cormier will be returning to the same venue where he lost his title to Teofima Lopez two years ago and will be hoping to be on the winning side this time around. We have a full preview ahead. Concluding races of the Formula One season don't come any better with two rivals going for the kill and for the right to be called 2021 champion
2: times the championship leaders has changed this season. What will happen now as it slides out away we go. Bottas gets a decent start, as does Hamilton. Verstappen can't dive down the inside. Leclerc's keeping him company as Hamilton takes the lead into the first corner from Valtteri Bottas. There's Sergio Perez and Charles Leclerc going wheel to wheel as they go round turn two. But it's Hamilton from Bottas from Verstappen and the Ferrari of Leclerc going to give us level pegging in the championship as he comes home to win the first Saudi Arabia Grand Prix, it's Hamilton and Mercedes on top it's Hamilton and Verstappen finishing 1-2 and sharing the top two places for the 13th time this season
5: Both Mercedes Lewis Hamilton and Red Bull's Max Verstappen go into the final race of an epic season, locked together on 369.5 points, only the second time this has happened since F1's first season in 1950, we have a preview ahead, also coming up
2: and now Mbappe, surging into space, plays the pass for Messi, did have support arriving but Messi is going to go for goal and scores superbly. Challenge on Messi, and Messi beautifully into the corner, makes it 4-1 Paris and joins Mbappe in scoring twice in the game.
0: Low ball in from Gallo into the penalty area, Greenwood does well, lovely touch, turns, faces the play,
2: shred with a shot, he scores!
3: Gray will now bear down on the Arsenal penalty area. Hit the crossbar from here a while ago. Hits the back of the net here. It's a match-winning goal for Tamari Gray. Kick that one out. Brilliant from Everton.
2: Line-up
5: crock to come in the English Premier League this weekend. Chelsea leads. Brentford Manchester United. Arsenal Southampton and Liverpool-Aston Villa make the weekend football menu in England. we we'll preview all games in England and Spain and in Germany. France and in Italy. If you'd love to send us a message, we'd love to read them via social media accounts on Facebook, George slash 9927, on WhatsApp 551 101997 or Twitter us at gh. We'll be around the Ghana Premier League grounds to bring you special previews to March Day 7, and we'll be in the United States for the latest in the NBA. Time to talk about what the world is talking about in the world of sports. Hello from me, George Addo Jr., and welcome.
4: Live on radio, live online, this is The Locker Room with George Addo Jr., So thanks for joining
5: us this evening. 55 minutes of fast-paced preview to the weekend. Always interactive. And you know you can send us your messages at our WhatsApp line 0551-111987, or indeed you can tweet at us at Joy Well, so it's boxing first then.
3: Another straight right hand trying to go with the uppercut. Short left hand. This fight is over. Richard Comey has become a world champion. Yesterday he was crying sitting there reflecting on his life thinking about the opportunity that was right in front of him and now he will be celebrating the new ibf lightweight champion is richard comey he does it in outrageously impressive fashion and now richard comey will be taking on vasily Volmachenko in a
6: unification bout. i think this is the dangerous dangerous fighter For Lomachenko. He has punching power in that right hand, and that's the right hand that's
3: needed. What do you say we make it official? We got a new IBF lightweight champion of the world.
4: Ladies and gentlemen, we have the time of 39 seconds of round number two. Our referee in charge, Lawrence Cole, stops the contest. He is the winner by way of technical knockout. He is the new IBF lightweight champion of the world, Richard
5: See. Me. Vasily Lomachenko must get past Richard Comey if he is to compete for the world titles again. It was one of the biggest shocks of 2020 when Vasily Lomachenko lost his lightweight crown. Desperate to return to the top following last year's setback, Lomachenko faces former world champion Richard Comey as he aims to finish 2021 in style following June's win against Masayoshi Nakatani can Lomachenko send out a message uh, to the division with an impressive win or will the tough Ghanaian ruin Lomachenko's dreams? Now, let's get a bit of perspective right now and I have my colleague Hans Mensah-Andor who is in New York joining me on the line. He's been following both boxers all week and also the international ring announcer Nathaniel Atto joining me here. So thanks for your time and a big thank you to you as well, Hans, for joining us. I hope the US is treating you very well. What have you made of the build-up so far? You have been at the press conferences, you have seen the way in, what exactly should we be expecting?
7: Alright, thanks George and Madison Square Garden looks primed for this one, the city of New York looks primed for Vasily Lomachenko versus Richard Comey, preparations underway you can see, you can feel um, the vibe of fight week in there all around New York City Um, you know, quite a number of people talking about it I've met a few people who um are, you know, hoping that Richard Comey is going to pull off what they you know see to be a surprise a lot of people um you know see this one to be um richard comet being the underdog going into this one and perhaps rightly so vasily Mashenko is is a massive name he's he's huge when it comes to boxing one of the best obviously of his generation and so um everybody looks prepped up for this one the city of new york especially looks prepped up for this one um the fighting public in the united states the boxing fans in the united states Look quite prepared for this
5: one come Saturday night. Nat, we know Lomachenko has built his reputation by destroying fighters such as Guillermo Rigondo, uh, Gary Russell Jr. Despite his potential greatest of all time hype, he slipped in 2020 after losing to Teofimo Lopez. Now, Lomachenko did rebound in June this year by dominating Masayoshi Nakatani. Is he still that good?
8: George, yes, he is. Um, He is still that very good. Now, I'm always very fixated on boxers and having good days. Let me just quickly remind you about the day when Sugar Ray Leonard lost his first bout to his sworn rival, Roberto Duran Samaniego, back in the time. Um, everything was just not right. And sometimes when the boxer's state of mind is not right, you are not going to get the best out of him. And so in this case, um, we we saw, uh, you know, Lomachenko get leveled up and get... Uh, you know, neutralized by a faster Teofimo Lopez in that bout. And so, I mean, you take a look at his previous fights and you realize that he has a lot of pace and a lot of power. And so he cannot be overlooked at all in any way. Well, Hans, we know
5: Richard Comey has had a much different road to stardom than his celebrated opening. Now, Comey operated under the radar until his fight with Robert Easter Jr. in 2016. Comey came up short that night you remember, but has made a name for himself as one of the world's toughest lightweights. Now, is he back to that level? I mean, the level good enough to claim titles.
7: It's interesting you mentioned Robert Easter Jr. because that obviously the fight that brought richard Comey into the limelight um it's a fight that could have gone either way in the end Comey lost it by a very very slim margin indeed he could have won it for a lot of people in fact he actually did win that fight but um, of course the official verdict was that he lost i've mentioned several times how in boxing you can win even in defeat as well nelson did it against salvador sanchez that is the fight that brought him to prominence he lost that fight but he won over a lot of fans and subsequently went on to become a world champion. Richard Comey's story followed a similar path, And that fight against Robert Easter Jr. is what really brought him to the attention of the American public. And he hasn't looked back since. People love to love to watch Richard Comey fight. I was speaking to a lot of people, and he's got quite a following, surprisingly, out here in the United States. Now there are a lot of people who are actually taping him to win because they know he's got a lethal right hand and they know that he can deliver that knockout point. So, um, even though the odds um, on paper look against Richard Comey, a lot of people are giving him a a, a huge chance that he's got the power to unsettle um, Vasily Lomachenko. He's got the power to settle this one, um, even before the fight ends. So, yeah, I mean, it's a fight that on paper, beg your pardon, Kome is going into as the underdog but really there are a lot of people who are also tipping him to win this fight. He's got a huge following by virtue of that Robert, Robert Easter Jr. fight and um, there will be a lot of people at the Madison Square Garden on, on, on fight night supporting Richard Kome. I can tell you that.
5: Okay, critical about this.
7: Hans, where will
5: this be won or lost?
7: Massive fight, George. Massive fight for many reasons. You know, um, first of all We've got a Ghanaian who has a chance to fight a future Hall of Famer. You know, Lomashenko will, um, in the future, be a, a boxing Hall of Famer, no doubt about that one. We've got to fight a Ghanaian who is up against one of the best of this generation, pound for pound. You know, um, we've got Richard Comey coming up against Vasily Lomashenko. one of the biggest names in lightweight division, one of the biggest names in boxing. Um, he will go down as one of the all-time greats, and so yes, I mean, in that respect, we are looking at a huge fight, not only for Richard Comey but for Ghana boxing as well. Um, also huge fight in terms of what implications could be um, for Richard Comey If Comey wins this fight, I tell you what, that is a massive door that will be swung wide open for Richard Comey because he'll be in line for some of the biggest fights in boxing currently, in the lightweight division. He's going to be in line possibly for a multiple title showdown against um george kambosos who recently defeated Teofimo lopez we can look at a matchup against devin it has been talked about previously but um it hasn't happened because comey did not have a title then and when he when he got it he lost it in a very short space of time so that fight couldn't happen we could be looking at a fight against giovanna davis huge that would be a pay-per-view fight you know, um, simply because he's he would have been a former world champion and and a boxer who has beaten one of the boxers, one of the greats, and a boxer that a lot of people are hoping to come up against and hopefully also get victory against. So, it's it's massive for Richard Comey if he's able to win this one, just in terms of the possibilities that arises. Um, if he loses. Look, it's not the end of the road for Richard Comedy. The thing about Coming is that even when he's lost, apart from that your female fights, even when he's lost, he's given a very good account of himself. I don't think that if he loses, the consequences will be so there that um, his career could be over or, or, or that he's going to take um, quite a slip-up, you know? So, yeah, I mean... Huge possibilities as far as this fight is concerned. Huge implications if Richard Comey does win. It's a massive, massive fight for Comey. It's a massive fight for Ghana boxing.
5: Now, this is my favorite part on the show as always, especially when you're on the boxing beat. Who is your money on? Who is winning this bout?
8: George, this becomes a very difficult one to call um, in the sense that you have uh, two boxers who have almost equal ability when it comes to their stamina in the ring. And when everything should go right and their respective fire styles settle, uh, they can do something amazing in the ring. Um, so this show is going to be a very difficult one. I mean, if Kome should win, a show sure is going to gonna be something that should travel the full distance. And I expect the same if uh, Blumachenko should win this one. Um, difficult to stick an account.
5: Let's end with a list of other key fights on the night at the Madison Square Garden and why we must pay attention to it. George, interestingly
8: I would want to focus on the same Bill, uh, you know, at the Madison Square Garden. Now, there's a young gentleman called Nico Walsh Nico Ali Walsh and of course, once you hear the full name combination uh, something may ring a bell well, he happens to be the grandson of the legendary Muhammad Ali. He comes up against uh, Raya Sanchez you know, in the middleweight division in a contest. He's going up onto his third professional bout. And one may ask, what's the big deal? Well, um, what it is, is that the branding will still be lurking around his head every other time when he gets into the ring. And there is a lot of heavy expectation every time when the likes of uh, Nico Walsh gets into the ring because they are coming from a lineage of legendary skin who have done amazing things in the ring, things that uh, people may not have, you know, uh, envisaged. And to think that, you know, we are in a new era of boxing and the thing that people would want to place parallels in, and place a lot of expectations on a young lad like that, it becomes a very difficult thing. So I would want to see where that young lad will be in the next four years, you know, considering the way he's going with, uh, you know, he's going systematically in the middleweight division. So um, let's see how it goes. So no real big name. This is somebody who is uh, related to a big name and who is trying to chart his own, core, uh, you know, path.
5: Thanks, Nat, for your time on the show, as always. And we'll look forward to the action to come at the Madison Square with Hans Ando.
4: Live on radio, live online, this is The Locker Room with George Allo Jr.
2: The championship lead has changed this season. What will happen now as it's lights out and away we go. Bottas gets a decent start, as does Hamilton. Verstappen can't dive down the inside. Leclerc's keeping him company as Hamilton takes the lead into the first corner from Valtteri Bottas. There's Sergio Perez and Charles Leclerc going wheel to wheel as they go round turn two. But it's Hamilton from Bottas from Verstappen and the Ferrari of Leclerc. Then comes Perez and behind them, Lando Norris. Perez got oh so close to running into the back of his teammate. Max Verstappen had a lockup, was dead. And Hamilton has now got past Verstappen. Lap 43 of this race. Hamilton now leads from Max Verstappen is going to give us level pegging in the championship as he comes home to win the first Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. It's Hamilton and Mercedes on top. It's Hamilton and Verstappen finishing 1-2 and sharing the top two places for the 13th time this season. But can now Esteban Ocon...
5: Formula One next. A thrilling Formula One season is set for what could be the most dramatic conclusion in the sports history in Abu Dhabi Grand Prix this weekend. Both Mercedes-Louis Hamilton and Red Bull's Max Verstappen go into the final race of an epic season, locked together on 369.5 points. It's only the second time, though, this has happened since F1's first season in 1950. Now, whatever unfolds, history will be made. Either 36-year-old Hamilton will claim his eighth world title and become the sports most successful driver ever by surpassing and Michael Schumacher or a 24-year-old Hotspots Max Verstappen will win his first title to Russia in a new era in which he leads the current crop of young drivers. Joining me now with some analysis on the final weekend of the season is our Formula 1 expert Raymond Now, Raymond, thank you very much for your time. What a weekend to look forward to. What kind of action we've got on the horizon. Now, heading into the final race, of course, the season, we know that Hamilton and Verstappen are level on points. All of the season's work boils down then to this particular final moment. What have you made of the level of competition between the two title contenders
9: then? We may have to go back into the history books to remember the last time two protagonists went into the final race of the season level on point and that was in 1974 where Brazilian um, MSN Fittipaldi and Swiss Cleary Gazzoni went head-to-head in the final race of the season. Uh, eventually, MSN Fittipaldi emerged winner that season. That said, I think that Mas Verstappen has given a good account of himself this season. You look at the numbers behind him. He's won nine times, finished 17 times on the podium, a record equal in number. Has had nine pole positions all season he's actually had five fastest lap wins and it clearly tells you that he's been dominant and he's led more laps than Lewis Hamilton this season. You look at Lewis Hamilton's numbers and it's quite clear that something has worked for him getting to the end of the season. He's won eight times, finished 15 times on the podium. Uh, he's had five pole positions. He's had more fastest lap wins than uh, Max Verstappen this season. The only you know, positive he has in there. But you look at his last few races and we could liken this to a boxing match where the boxer who has been beating most parts of the rounds suddenly gets into the dynamics of the round or the match you know suddenly gets a lot of energy and starts beating his opponents. I think that that's what Lewis Hamilton has done this season. Last three races has been phenomenal from Brazil to Qatar to Saudi Arabia I think that Mercedes have been able to unlock some speed and that has helped um, Lewis Hamilton a lot. I think that going into the final race of the season there's still a lot to drive for but let's not take anything away from Red Bull driver Max Verstappen he's been dominant and most part of the season and everybody said, well, Lewis Hamilton was going to struggle to get his aid because of the brilliance of uh, Max Verstappen. And so um, it's looking like one of those you know, competitions where very tiny details should settle who wins it. And uh, you look at both drivers, it's very difficult to separate them at this particular point in time. I think that Max Verstappen has given a good account of himself. He's a fighter, he's a driver. You know, he's given everything he can give in the course of the season. Louis Hamilton has also done save. And so, well, certainly the numbers favour Max Verstappen, but it's down to the final moment where very, very, very fine margins would separate bull drivers. So I think that all in all, it's been a fantastic season. And Red Bull have really given an indication that they are back in the big time.
5: And this is a very tight question. I I, I just have a feeling that you may feel as all rushed and a bit early uh, in our conversation. But look, uh, Raymond, which of these two drivers are you tipping to wrap up uh, the title on Sunday?
9: very hard to pick who will be the star performer this weekend, uh, and I say this because you look at both drivers. Lewis Hamilton has won there five times, has won there more than any driver in Formula One history, and also Max Verstappen only won last season, uh, and all based the fact that Lewis Hamilton had already wrapped up the championship. And this season we are going to see a different kettle of fish, and the form guide certainly will not work this time around because that the marina circuit you know, that we use for the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix has undergone radical changes. And when I talk about radical changes, I talk about a lot of modifications that have been done to the Circuit. Now we have the corners reduced from 21 to 16. We also have the circuit shortened slightly to some 5.28 kilometers. And this has been done to increase the level of excitement and make sure that we don't compromise the level of safety as well. And also, you look at some of the tents on the circuit 10 5, 10 6, 10 7 have been turned into 10 5 for, you know, a much faster performance so that we can see a lot of overtaking on the circuit. And the old 10s, 12, 13, 14, 15, have become the new T9 and so on. A lot of modifications have been done to the circuit. And so, a lot of drivers go into this weekend's race driving on a seemingly new circuit. Since its inaugural race in 2009, this is the first time the Yas Marina circuit has seen this major, you know, modification. And you also talk about, you know, the compounds that will be used because some parts of the circuit, you know, you talk about the southeast sector and the north sector where there's a different kind of asphalt that has been used. Again, it would have an impact on the tires. And so, all this has been done just to make sure that there's a change in speed of the circuits. And so, you look at all this and it's going to be challenging for all drivers. This is where practice comes in very handy and this is where qualifying would, you know, make a huge statement going into the uh, the race itself. But that said, I think that Mercedes have had happy times at the Yas Marina circuit, thanks to the 1.2-kilometer um, straight line that they normally use or they are powerful. And again, you look at Red Bull, who have also been dominant on the very twisty corners, you know, the twisty turns on the circuit. And so uh, both drivers are going to be balanced going into this race. It depends on how Mercedes are going to set up. Are they going to set up for more pace to take advantage of the 1.2 kilometers where they can use a lot of power? Because this is a very power-sensitive circuit, and so power would come to play a lot in this race. And also, Red Bull have also shown that when they have had to deploy pace, they've actually been able to come up, come up tops in terms of speed at certain points, just by the fact that you know they've taken a downward spiral since the Dutch Grand Prix where we've not seen them as fast as they should. So, that said, yeah, the circuit plays a role, the drivers and what, what's actually going to happen in practice will play a role. Uh, the Thai compounds will play a role. And so it's going to be very, very difficult for anybody to predict who's going to be the winner this weekend, having into consideration all these factors. But, you know, it sets a tone for an interesting battle. And we're all looking forward to how the race will pan out this weekend at the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, George.
5: And, well, Raymond, it's been an excellent midfield battle this season as well. Look, Daniel Ricciardo, Lando Norris, Carlos Sainz and Charlie Leclerc have all been up to it. You know, fifth and eighth on the driver standings all through the season. But which of the four drivers have impressed you the most? And which of them will definitely finish
9: in your midfield team? I think that that midfield has served its own purpose this season. It's given us some layer of drama, you know, added to what Max and Luis have given us this season. I think that's crucially for me. I think Ferrari have given a good account of themselves. You look at Carlos Sainz and Charlie The uh, Leclerc now stands fit on the standings and Sainz comes in seventh. Even between those two drivers, the point difference is just some 8.5. It clearly tells you how Ferrari have tried to, you know, get back to their best this season, uh, apart from you know, missing out on a few races. I still think that Ferrari have been very dominant. You won't take anything away from McLaren's uh, Ricciardo and Lando Norris. They've also, you know, done what they needed to do in the course of the season. But I think that you look at how Ferrari have been able to, you know, dominate that constructors table where they actually intend leading McLaren by some 38.5 points. It clearly tells you that they've done something right, especially in the second half of the season where they had an Indian change. You could actually tell that the performances started going up right from that point. Their pace was good, their grip was good, their traction was good, the downforce was good. I think that... It's not surprising that um, Leclerc finds himself in fifth, four points ahead of Lando Norris, who himself has been battling I think that for a few inconsistent races, I think that he would have been in there. But that said, uh, I think that for me, you look at Ferrari and you look at McLaren, you look at the drivers in there, signs and Leclerc talking about um, Norris and Ricciardo. I think that Ferrari, for me, have been exciting. They've been a better team. Uh, and it's not surprising that they are third on the constructors' table and are definitely going to run away with that title until on- Position, I still think that you know they, they've, done, they've done very well, uh, and that could just be the beginning of good things to come for Ferrari once they're able to sort out themselves in the course of you know the next few races and in practice and in pre season. I think that they should be one of the teams should look forward to next season. So, for me, I think that that middle section or that midfield you know has been dominated by Ferrari, and I think that they'll hold on to faith come the final race of the season
5: well Haas, Alpine and Williams have all had underwhelming seasons but which do you feel could have done better than what they have produced this here?
9: George I think that you talk about Haas, Ferrari Alpine and Williams, Mercedes I think that I won't go too hard on Haas because they have two year olds, uh, Niki Mazepin and Mick Schumacher these are Formula the One drivers who made their first entry in 2021 just this season and so They are very inexperienced, and I'm not surprised they have zero points at this particular point in time in the course of the season. And you talk about Williams. They themselves have a rookie driver in Nicolas Latifi, who also joined... Uh, Formula One last season. Uh, You have George Russell, who's been around since 2019, but has had his own distraction in the course of the season, Mm -hmm. joining uh, Mercedes and all, uh, having to sit in in races and all. He himself has been distracted. That said, he still managed 16 points, Latifi managed 7 points. And so I wouldn't go too hard on these two teams because uh, you look at the drivers in there and you look at their pedigree, they are Mm -hmm. still learning the tricks of the trade. And so I'm not surprised they were not able to deliver in the course of the season. But you look at that team, Alpine. Um, the French team clearly had Esteban Ocon, who was phenomenal. Uh, you know, he had a good race uh, in the course of the season. I think he won in Hungary. Uh, he has 72 points at this particular point in time in the season and the 11th. You talk about Fernando Alonso, who himself uh, has 77 points. He also you know, has been in Formula 1 since 2001. I think that my disappointment has had to do with them because they have a lot of experience on the circuit. And so, you know, currently on 11th and 10th, I think that they could be doing better. They should have done much much, much better than we've seen them do this season. And so, for me, uh, I think that Alpine should improve. Uh, and I'm expecting Haas and Williams to also come back stronger next season. But you look at these three um, constructors, and I think that Alpine have been the most disappointing because of the pedigree of the drivers they've had. Estaban Ocon, who was able to win a race this season, clearly tells you his and his pedigree, and Fernando Alonso, who we all know his history on the circuit. And so, for me, Alpine has been disappointing for me. And they can do better in the course of the next Um, seasons. Mercedes
5: look sure to wrap up the Constructors' Championship. That's a fact. Uh, Raymond, Hamilton definitely. But Bottas has been more consistent, especially when you're comparing all of that to Red Bull's second driver, Sergio Perez. But next season, Bottas joins Alfa Romeo, and Russell will be taking his seat. Are Mercedes going to miss Bottas, or does Russell
9: have enough to produce similar results as Finn? Botas Bottas for me, has always been that man for Mercedes. He's been the reason why Mercedes have dominated that constructor's title uh, wins. And uh, you can clearly tell that he's been a perfect wingman to Lewis Hamilton. For the next few seasons, we will not be seeing him play that role. But I think that Mercedes are really going to miss, miss Valtteri Bottas because he's been that driver. He's a driver who can win races on his own. Uh, I think that this season they won in Turkey. Uh, that despite the fact that he hasn't won too many races, he's been able to get in there with some good points for Mercedes. And that's why, you know, if you look at the constructors table, they've been able to dominate. And even last weekend in Saudi Arabia, once Perez crashed out of that race and Valtteri Bottas managed to get some points for Mercedes, they were definitely going to open the gap. That was very close at that point. And so I think that you look at his performance this season, 218 points, currently dead, and you look at the, having his point build-up should tell you that this is a drive who is solid, this is a driver who has absolutely everything on the circuit and is going to be a big miss for Team Mercedes. Is that your prayers for me? I think he's been quite inconsistent. And uh, Look at the performances that Max Verstappen has put up this season. If Perez had actually matched him up a bit, I think that um, Team Red Bull would have been talking about winning the constructor title for the first time in a long while. But that said, I think that his 190-point build-up you know, hasn't been bad in the course of the season. I think that he's also you know, had a few bad parties in races, especially look at that race in Saudi where he had been on a consistent you know, performance where he had finished in the top four, but you look at that race in Saudi Arabia where he crashed into uh, Charlie Clegg and finished, couldn't finish with points. I think that that was a bit of a blip, you know, to his performances this season. But that said, I still think that he hasn't been that main man for Red Bull as you would see Valtteri Bottas do for Mercedes and that, that, that has been the difference between both uh, constructors but I think that uh, he's a good driver uh, definitely once he's able to sort out his issues once that chassis is tailor-made to suit his driving style, because we know that Red Bull chassis suits Max Verstappen more than it suits him I think that uh, once we see that happening I think that Chico can also uh, be one of the drivers we should look forward to on the second but that said I think that uh, Valtteri Bottas has dominated him and he's definitely good value to finishing third this season I think that for the man coming in, uh, George Russell, I think he's a young man. He still has a lot to learn and it's good that he's going to be the wingman for Lewis Hamilton where he can learn a lot. I think that you can write him off once he gets to get a hold of the tricks of the job. I think that he should be one of the formidable drivers. Uh, we've seen him at Williams. He hasn't been too flamboyant, too exciting, but you can see that he has backs of potential and best place to get that banks of potential out is Team Mercedes. Best driver to actually mentor him is Louis Hamilton. So I think that uh, George Russell should ...should come good with a good car... ...and with a good team behind him.
5: So, uh, Ray, we have to end with this. What's your podium looking like in the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix?
9: Wow, George, this is the problem of the day. Hard to call who's going to win this weekend. But look at all the factors I've listed. The circuits, the experience of the drivers... ...the form guide, all these things. It's going to be a very difficult race. And uh, I think that what would come to play... ...in this weekend's race would be... ...who is able to cut out mistakes who is able to make sure he doesn't self-distract. If Lewis Hamilton doesn't self-distract, if Lewis Hamilton gets his chances firing, especially on the streets where Mercedes are untouchable, they are unstoppable, I think that they could be in, you know, for a big win in this weekend's race. And I think that Max Verstappen has to keep a cool head. If he goes into the race with his hot-headed nature, definitely he'll be bound to make mistakes in the race. And so, both drivers are evenly balanced going into this race very fine margins will settle this one and especially the temperament of all drivers would come to play in this particular and for Lewis hamilton he has to be extra careful on the circuit because there's a potential great penalty for him if you know he actually avoids or if it's actually flagged once again because he was reprimanded in his last two races so there's also that danger there for him all these things would come to play in this particular race but i think that's Lewis Hamilton has the momentum with him, having won the last three races. I think that the job is almost done for him. and Going into the race in this particular sport, knowing very well Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes have a very good record on the Yas Marina circuit. I am slightly tilted towards the Lewis Hamilton win. But anything can happen in this race. I won't take anything away from Max Verstappen. He's a solid driver and on his day, he can make any driver look bad on the circuit. And so, I think that what will be crucial this weekend is who makes the least mistakes. Once that's sorted out, I think that we would see a winner, uh, what is sorted, and we'll see a winner who is a credible winner for the season championship. But I won't take anything away from Lewis Hamilton. Slightly, I would say, Lewis Hamilton could edge this one. Uh, and I think that we could see Sergio Perez or Valtteri Bottas go head-to-head once again for that third spot. But definitely, we are going to see a Mercedes or a Red Bull win this weekend, George.
5: Thank you very much, Ray, for your time on the show, as always.
4: Live on radio, live online, this is The Locker Room with George Addo Jr.,
5: so away from the other sports, it's football. And we begin with the Ghana Premier League on our show.
3: And it's a penalty going the way of Komasia Asante. to go. An opportunity. Kwan with a chance to draw first blood. With a chance to score a goal. Kwan Poku turns around, hits the ball. And it's been saved by Rizia Nata. Over to Horse. Oh, my word. This is the kind of drama we're looking for. And how well. Allow the ball to roll. It came to Fatal Mohammed. It's back to Michel Sapon. Outside the penalty box of Kumasi Asante. Beautiful dribble. He still stays outside. He hit the pass. Back again to Fatal Mohamed. Long ball into the penalty box. Lovely touch. Man comes down. Referee goes for a penalty. Isaac Mensah lining up for this. Will this be the telling blow for Kumasi Asante? Got Razak Abalora dancing on his line. While well, the sunshine slightly going into the shade under the clouds. Could this be the time for the rainbow to appear? Isaac Mensah hits the ball right. Saved by Rosaka Ballara. And this is truly the game.
5: Uh, Kumasi Asantekotokana to Kwa Hartsavok, of course, are out of action this weekend. And the reason why fans are starved of the season's first Super Clash. Uh, the defending champions are yet to arrive after exiting the CAF Confederations Cup in Algeria. But they are great games to come on Match Day 7. New Adams is joining me on the line as we preview the coming Match Day. Thanks, Nu, for your time on the show as always. Can we start with the Alajik Rusususkin Faisal, who carry a very serious threat? They've been absolutely ominous this season. And, of course, at this stage of the season, it doesn't surprise anybody. But they are top of the table, aren't they? Now, why have they been that good? And I guess Albina Sharks may be a walk in the park, right?
1: Um, well, I think um, Kymfesa are doing extremely well because of how the coach, Nodin Amadou, has been able to set them up. They, 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 they are not having too many faces in the team now. Uh, most of the players who played last season are still around, Richard Akofi, atakusi Kusisama, um, Wadudu, Yakubu, all these players were around. Zubair Ibrahim joined the team in the second round last season and was scoring for them. So, um I'm not surprised of how um they've started the season so far. I think one thing that is working for them is the video analysis they have at here at their bench. Um the guy is doing extremely well. I think um he's helping team face a lot. He watches the opponent and then identify their weaknesses and they will go through with the players how they are going to exploit the weaknesses of um the teams they are going to face. Um if you look at the game against Kotoko, um all three goals were similar. and all, all of the three goals um, were worked from the left back position of Kumasas and Kotoko. So I think they, they, they got to know that um, Ibrahim Moro, who is the left-back of Kotoko, was going to be the weakest link um, together with the other full-back. So they took advantage of it and then made sure they created the chances from then got all three goals. So I think um, Kim Fesa are doing so well right now. The motivation and encouragement and everything is on course for them. Um, they are the two to beat so far. And I think um, this weekend, it's likely they are going to get another win against Alvin Asha, And that will keep them going. Um, facing Kim Faisa, um, is going to be uh, a hard nut for all the teams this season. You can't underrate them now. Yeah. They are a very strong side, to be honest with you. I watched them against Wafa, and they created so many chances. They, all they needed was to get someone who put the ball at the back of the net. And I think um, Zubair Ibrahim... Um, getting back his form is, is really going to do the trick. They already have Ibrahim Usman. Um, yes, just yes, that he didn't play against Kotoko. Um, he's back into the team. So, I think King Fisa, they have a very solid team.
5: Idriana starts with Wafa 3-0. i got many wondering if the JAB boys of old are finally returning. Can we trust him?
1: I quite remember when we were doing our top four predictions on Israel FM. Um, I predicted Adriana to be in the top two or top three at the end of the season and there's the kind of performances I was expecting from them. They have a very experienced squad. They have Jose Fado, Hafiz Adams, um, Farouk Adams. They, they've gotten Emmanuel Genfi. They already had some Obio, Sam Adams, Prince Aqua. All these players, <laughs> I've seen it all in the Ghana Premier League. So uh, having these players at your disposal, getting um, Yaya Mohamed back to form, is going to be um, an amazing thing for, for, for the Oja Boys. So I think they are one of the favorites to win the Ghana Premier League. No two ways about that. Even though they lost to Kinfisa at home, but if you looked at their um, away performance this season, they are here to lose. Um, They went to Karela, they got a draw there, they came to Accra to draw 1-1 with and They beat Legon City in Accra too. So, um, if they are able to get their home form back, and that that 3-0 against Wafa was, was a statement. So, um, let's see how they, they will fare against great Olympics. If they are able to get another convincing win against Olympics, then um, it means we are going to get uh, a who will give Kotoko, Hasofuk and the other teams around for their money. But, no, Real Tamale
5: United keeps surprising us uh, along the way. It's been a very, very good run for them. Some very critical away wins and very good home performances too. What is working for Coach Shai Butanko and
1: his men? RTU is, is one of the teams that's playing... Beautiful football in the Ghana Premier League. If you go to Tamale, yeah, the kind of pressure they will put on you, it's its, it's quite um, interesting and exciting. I think Shaibu Tanko Ibrahim is doing extremely well. He's doing so well um, with the kind of players he's having. Um, they are building a very good team. They had a very good pre season. And I think that is that is one thing that is working for um, RTU. Um, with the addition of the Rabagana Sandan to very very um, exceptional player. Um, he was the top scorer five good last season with nine goals. So um getting him with with that kind of form I think um LTU is is going going to be the first to work on with in the Premier League this season. I think um they they have some sort of motivation in in the handlers of the team and I think it, it, it is one thing that is working so well for our team. Um, I've enjoyed their, their games so far. I think their games against Wafa, against Ashgol. If you get the videos to watch, you realize they created so many chances. Just that they couldn't um, make good use of all, all those chances. But at least they were able to get 2-0 win against Wafa, 2-0 against Ashgol. That's that's quite enough for a newly promoted side. I think they are doing so well. Uh, we must put an eye on them.
5: No, let's talk about Great Olympics because Coach Ano Walker and his men have blown hot and cold. What is accounting for the inconsistency in
1: the season? Um, I've heard some players of Great Olympics saying um, they really miss last Awako and I think that's that's some truth because our was the engine of the team last season. So, um, Ano Walker and his boys will have to um, play some few matches before they get to know who they are building the team on. Um I think the absence of Samola like Shukwe is also playing a little part in India in Racoaster season. But overall they've not fed really bad. Um some wins, some draws. They are not even losing much this season. So I think yes um, they'll have to come stronger and I think Waka is working on that. They have a very good team. Most of the players are still around. Damadina Haruna They've also added um, um, They still have most of the players. Maswa Abequa is now the, li- the leading striker for them. They still have um, Mudasiru Abdul and all that. So I think, yes, um, let's give Olympic some little time. I believe they will come good. And when they, they get into their groove, we all know what they can do in the Ghana Premier League. But so far, um, so very good, not really bad a start for them. I think they can they can improve on what we have seen from them so far. Now,
5: before you leave us, let's talk about the top three games and storylines you'll be chasing all through the
1: weekend. Yeah, once the super clash is not coming on, um, these are going to be my top three games. I um, Definitely um, you have to include King Faisa playing at home um, with the Sharks. We also saw how um, Kim Faisa ended at Sante unbeaten competing run. So they are the face of the Ghana Premier League. Now they are the talk of town. So their game against Omina um, Sharks is going to be interesting. Adriana starts Great Olympics in Doma. Um, it's also going to be another interesting game. Um, it's a game I want to watch. I want to see how Adriana um, will, will will fare against Great Olympics and then get to know what they have for us this season. Mm-hmm. Yaya Mohamed back to form. Jenfi scoring for fun. I think it's a game that will be very, very interesting. Um, the other game um, I think will be also um, interesting as uh, the Wafa Ashanti Gold game mm-hmm. in Soga You know, um, Wafa, despite um, their yeah, home form and all that. One thing they, they always struggle to beat um, at the Sokakopek Park is, is as good. Yes, as is also having a rollercoaster season. It's been hot and cold for them. But anytime they face Wafa, they try to um, prove stubborn. So I think that game is also going to be interesting. Meanwhile, Adams is
5: my colleague uh, from Isha FM. It's always a pleasure. Thank you very much for your time. So it's now time to check out the games to come this weekend. Devoid of the super clash, my colleague Harry Mubarak has a wrap.
6: a dream start to the season for Kim Faisal as they topped the standings headed into this weekend's fixtures and they defeated their city rivals Asantikotoko in a 5 goal trailer to attain the first position but there comes another encounter they have to win if they intend keeping the top spot. Kim Faisal faced Elmina Sharks at the Babayara Sports Stadium. It has been tough for the visitors whenever they travel as they have lost two of the last three matches. Poor away from is also a problem for Accra Lions as the newly promoted side have lost all matches on the road and they know they must play above themselves to get at least a point against Kerala United at Einyase. Their fellow debutant, Gold Stars, also welcomed Bechem United at the Dance Park, which has been their stronghold. Gold Stars have won 2 of the 3 matches at home with the only defeat coming at the hands of Asante Kotoko who are the joint table toppers. A difficult home ground is something Legon Cities would want to have. The Royals are struggling playing at the Accra Sports Stadium, suffering two defeats. Maxwell Okenedu's side can right the wrongs when they welcome Brekum Chelsea, their counterpart in Accra do Great Olympics travel to Doma for a clash against Indiana Stars, hoping to bounce back after three successive games without a win. Wafa have also found results hard to come by as they've recorded one win all season. The academy boys need to rescue their campaign before it gets out of hand and they have the chance to do so against Ashanti Gold. It's a different story for Real Tamale United who are enjoying their return to the top flight competition. Three wins and a draw out of six matches has left them in safe RTU lock horns with Midiama Sporting Club at the Ali Umahama Stadium where they are yet to concede in their last two matches. Thank you
5: very much, Harina Mubarak, for your time. More football on our show. Of course, there's so much as we sit at the foot of another exciting weekend of football with all title races very much on course. And it's now time though to talk about England. The Joy Sports BBC 2-way series as always. A great look ahead into the match day. And, of course, Top, Top, Top Perspective. Enjoy this. We're back with more. Thanks, John, for your time on the show. And it's always great to have you in the locker room as always. There's a growing concern amongst Premier League clubs about releasing players for the Africa Cup of Nations, which kicks off next January. A total of 40 African players for the Premier League are likely to depart their clubs for at most four weeks in January. Now, with the concerns of these clubs and the new variant of COVID-19, what are the chances that these African Premier League stars don't make the trip back to Africa?
4: Well, at the moment, George, I don't think there's any reason to believe that the players won't be sent to the Africa Cup of Nations. We did have the European Club Association last week make a statement after their meeting saying saying they were concerned about player safety, player welfare. Uh, I I tweeted um, that that news story and the reaction was very, very angry from African football fans. They were saying the European Championships went ahead in, in the pandemic. What's the problem with the African Cup of Nations? And I, and I think that's a, that's a pretty good point, to be honest. We haven't heard anything else from the European clubs. It'll be interesting to see if uh, the Premier League managers are asked about this before their, their games this weekend, notably Jürgen Klopp, who's going to lose uh, a couple of, of key players, of course, Mohamed Salah, Sadio Mane and Nabi Keita. So let, let's see how it develops. There has to be more research, doesn't there, into what's going to happen the consequences of this new variant but at the moment there's no reason to believe that that all the players won't be there at the african cup of nations next month
5: john chelsea lost their second game of the season last weekend and indeed drew in the champions league second in the champions league group as well playing second fiddle there to juventus dropped down to third on the premier league table more worrisome for chelsea is the piling injury list as well saldegas and loftus cheek over the week with well, Chelsea's only two fit midfielders, alongside injuries to Hazard, Alonso and Chouel. Now, with a cramped up December schedule of a Premier League collapse, do you foresee the injury rules of Chelsea causing match issues to their title hopes?
4: I think it's a minor blip. Next two matches for Chelsea are Leeds United and Everton. I expect six points from those two games for Chelsea. But Thomas Tuchel was pretty angry, wasn't he, after the game against St. Petersburg. This was interesting. He said well he cues basically his players of of their behaviour changing when they take the lead and we saw that against West Ham, they took the lead twice and were pegged back, they lost 3-2 and against Zenit St. Petersburg they took the lead and were pegged back to 3-3 so Thomas Tuchel is a very demanding head coach he's put a message out there to his players that this is not acceptable when you take the lead you can't act differently than you would if the game was 0-0 or 1-1 or 2-2 And he's put a message out there to the players. You're right about fitness. It's a key time of the season when it's game after game after game, Saturday midweek, Saturday midweek. That could cause an issue. It'll be good to see Romelu Lukaku back to full fitness. We haven't seen him uh, at his full best yet since his return from injury. Thomas Tuchel's held him back a bit, hasn't he? I think that will make a difference. I don't think there's too many reasons to worry at the moment for Chelsea. But I think like every team, they're going to have to cope with this fixture pile-up, the exhaustion it causes, and the squad rotation that is needed. But the good thing for Chelsea is that they have as good a squad as you're going to see in the Premier League. So really, they should have no excuses.
5: John Steven Gerrard has had a good start to life in the Premier League, losing only one game, and that was against Manchester City, of course. Really, who wouldn't lose to Manchester City and Pep Guardiola? Now, this weekend, he heads to where he made home and is adored. It promises to be a difficult return to Anfield, but looking at the bigger picture, how do you see Villa faring for the entirety of the season, considering the performances so far?
4: Yeah, I've been so impressed. You're right. Who doesn't lose to Manchester City at the moment, the way they're playing? I think we can forgive Steven Gerrard that defeat. So it's three wins out of four. They were very impressive against Leicester City last weekend. I really enjoyed their performance. I was a big fan of the former Aston Villa boss, Smith. But, you know, you have to admit that they look a lot more intense under Steven Gerrard. The Aston Villa performances, there's a great amount of intensity. The pressing's been really good. In attack, they look so so dangerous at the moment. So I'm really impressed by Stephen Gerrard. The way he has come in, he's made an immediate impact. We see that, don't we? Quite often, they call it the new manager bounce, but there, there seems to be some real substance behind it with Stephen Gerrard. What I like about him is he's obviously a really good leader, but he's got an excellent backroom staff: Gary McAllister his assistant, Michael Beal one of his coaches. Really good reputation in the game, and I think it's a, it's a real it's a, a group of wise wise coaches he's got and he's he's keen to learn from them they learn from him and i think from by all accounts the players are really enjoying their first few weeks under this new management team so it's a big game against liverpool all the focus will be on steven gerrard this weekend going back to his former club what a career he had at liverpool i mean it's, it just makes me smile thinking about those good times that liverpool had when he was there 1998 to 2015 Nine trophies, including the Champions League, two FA Cups, three League Cups. So now he's going back for the first time as a manager, his fifth game in charge. And of course, we're all wondering, will one day Steven Gerrard be a manager in the home dugout at Anfield? I think that's a way off yet, but um, certainly all the cameras will be pointed at Steven Gerrard this weekend. John, the Ranick
5: era at Manchester United got off to a very good start with Fred's 20-yard strike winning the Red Devils' all three points at Crystal Palace. Uh, but prior to his arrival, Michael Carrick did a very good job in studying the ship, drawing with Chelsea and winning two games. So with the football promise of Ranek's arrival, are we bound to witness a transformation of United's season and, and what really is uh, the realistic
4: position where they finish? Well, the signs are good so far. I mean, there was an improvement, wasn't there, against Crystal Palace, even though Ralph Ranick had only had one training session. You could see the new way of playing. You could see the pressing. You could see the intensity. He seemed to be getting the best out of Cristiano Ronaldo. Even in midweek with a weakened team, you could see the kind of Ralph Ranick style being built in. It was great as well for Ralph Ranick to give some young players a chance. That's part of his DNA, to be honest, Ralph Ranick, He's brought through some brilliant young players during his career. So I think the signs are good. The fixture list, as well, is kind for Manchester United. They've got Norwich City this weekend. So I see no reason why Ralph Ranick can't build confidence, start to get his style in place. It would be great if they had a week where he could just get on the training pitch, Ralph Ranick, and start to get some of his ideas across. I think that will help if he can do that. Um, but yes, yeah, so far so good for, for Manchester United and Ralph Ranick. Difficult for him, I I think, to get all of his ideas across and to completely transform Manchester United in the time he has. But certainly, I think he's going to have a really good impact. John, after
5: maintaining Burnley's top flight status for five seasons, it's been a tough start to the season for Sean Dyche and the Clarets. Uh, They're currently in the relegation zone with only 10 points from a possible 42. Does this already look to be the season where the stubborn Burnley finally say goodbye to top flight football?
4: It's looking difficult for them. I was at uh, the Newcastle game at the weekend at St James's Park when Burnley lost to Newcastle. To be honest, they were unlucky. They were the better side Burnley in the first half. They missed some great chances. That's a, that's a concern for me. They, they're creating the chances, which gives them optimism, but they're, they're far from clinical at the moment. The likes of Chris Wood... Matej Vidra not in great form at the moment they need to start taking these chances they could easily have been 2-0 up at half time against Newcastle would have been game over in the end they lost the game I I still have a feeling that they'll be okay you know Burnley I I still feel that they're going to be able to get enough points to stay up because they have that experience I think there's, there's flair in the team as well with Dwight McNeil Maxwell Cornet picked up an injury last week that's a concern But I do think there's enough there for Burnley to stay up, and they have the experience as well. There's a couple of concerns in terms of player contracts. James Tarkovsky is out of contract at the end of the season. He's made it clear he's not going to sign a new deal. Will that mean he leaves in January? That would be a big blow. But I just think that the experience that Sean Dyche has, the experience that Burnley have in these relegation battles, they will have enough to stay up.
5: And finally, John, for Newcastle, the story isn't any different. The news of the takeover brought loads of excitement and joy to the locals in the area, but ever since, that's been a sad story. Eddie Howe finally managed to grab the Magpies, the first win of the season. Is that a result? You see Newcastle building on to do something special this season?
4: Well, the atmosphere was incredible last week at St. James's Park. Honestly, it was, it was a joy to watch it when the final whistle went and Newcastle finally won a game. What an atmosphere it was, and there is renewed belief amongst the Newcastle fans now that they can get out of this. But that they're probably going to need nine more wins, and that is a lot harder than it than it sounds. The fixture list is tough. They have um, in their next four games they have the two Manchester clubs and Liverpool, so that's why this weekend's game against Leicester is absolutely crucial. Leicester at the moment are struggling. Knocked out of the Europa League in midweek. Really disappointing performance against Napoli. They're done in the Conference League. Beaten by Aston Villa last weekend. Another bad Premier League defeat. There's illness in the camp. There's been a few cases of COVID-19. This is a huge opportunity for Newcastle to get two wins in a row. If they don't take that opportunity, it's Liverpool, it's Manchester City, it's Manchester United coming up. And it could be a really difficult Christmas for them. And all the momentum they've built up so far under Eddie Howe could disappear very quickly.
5: Thank you very much, John, for your time on the show, as always so let's now check out the games to come this weekend for those of you who are chasing them as much I know let's start English Premier League Brentford up against Watford this game currently uh, will be starting just in a few minutes uh, Manchester City play against Wolverhampton Wanderers on Saturday the Chelsea up against Leeds United on Saturday as well Liverpool up against Aston Villa all on Saturday Arsenal up against Southampton Norwich up against Manchester United and then on Sunday we've got Burnley up against West Ham Leicester City up against Newcastle Brighton versus Tottenham Hotspur Crystal Palace play against Everton in a live commentary game on the Joy Sports Arena. Let's talk about what we you expect, of course, in the league as well. And just on the top of the hour, Mallorca up against Celta Vigo. On Saturday, Espanyol up against Levante. There's Alaves up against Hetafe. Valencia will play against Elche. Athletic Club play against Sevilla. VRL up against Rayo Vallecano. There's Osasuna up against Barcelona. There's Real Betis who play Real Sociedad. There's Real Madrid versus Atletico Madrid in that madrid derby. And Sunday evening, there's Cadiz up against Granada. And in the Italian Serie A, Genoa up against Sampdoria. Game has already started. Fiorentina up against Salernitana. There is a Venetia up against uh, Juventus. You got Udinese up against AC Milan. Torino play against Bologna. Verona up against Atlanta. So solo up against Lazio. Napoli play against Empoli International up against Cagliari. Of course, there's Roma up against Spezia. These are the games to come in Italy. And in the German Bundesliga, Cologne and Augsburg are currently locked in a serious battle. Heather are up against Armenia. There is Bokum up against Borussia Dortmund. Bayern Munich play against Mainz, Freiburg are up against Hoffenheim, RB Leipzig play against Mönchenglaba, there's Wolfsburg up against Stuttgart, there's Firth up against Union Berlin, and Frankfurt up against Bayer Leverkusen. these are the games to look forward to this weekend in the German Bundesliga. And in the French league are non up against Lennon. Rest up against Montpellier. We've got Rem up against Saint-Étienne. Lille play against Lyon. Another big game to just uh, check out for you. Rennes will be playing against Nice. And then we've got uh, Strasbourg up against uh, Marseille. And that's Paris Saint-Germain up against AS Monaco. That's uh, a big game to check out there in France. These are the special games to look forward to, and we're hoping that your team surely gets to win. Remember, we've got a fantastic pile for you in terms of programmes. Uh, on Saturday morning, we're coming away with a sports review. You want to join us for that? Uh, later in the afternoon, we have the sports link on uh, Joy 99.7 firm on your slate. On Sunday, we've got a sports arena for you. But of course, in the evenings on uh, Saturday, we've got the scoreboard for you, and you want to check that out. My name is George Adder Jr. It's always a pleasure coming away with a locker room, as always. We're definitely back next week with another lovely edition of the show. So we do then, be good.